He's using the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. One story at a time. One story at a time. No one here is ever disqualified. He's covered all your sins. He's covered all your sins. Welcome to Just Godly Things. Welcome to Just Godly Welcome to Just Godly Things. Welcome to Just Godly Just Godly Things. You have a place here if you wish. 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 Just gotta open up your heart. You'll understand with your heart, you'll understand with your heart, and that's just it, yeah that's just it, oh that's just it, oh that's just it, yeah that's just it. Hey welcome to the podcast, my name is Catherine Gustak, I'm your host. Man, thank you so much for just letting me have my creative musical thrills. for two minutes there. You know, with the vibe with this one, it's like, okay, Mario's looking for Princess Peach, but she's in another castle. Hey, if we're Mario and Jesus is Princess Peach, not that Jesus is a princess, but guess what? He's not in another podcast, AKA castle. He's in this episode. (laughs) Wow, wait, no, Jesus is totally Mario and we are Princess Peach and Bowser, AKA Satan is trying to steal us from our man. Yeah, okay, there it is. So let's just get to it. This episode's going to be wacky tacky and I'm really excited for it. Hey, so we're here with Justin. Justin Menzies. Yes, how are you doing, Kat? I'm great. How are you doing? Good, good, right very on. good. Yeah, really excited to have you on the podcast today. We were just talking and obviously I had said this, like I'm not trying to commodify world's craziest testimonies and say, you know, like if you have a crazy testimony, you're better or this or that. But right. when I was listening to your testimony... Uh, last week, I was just like, whoa, struck by the intensity and honestly, like you'll probably say this, the brokenness and yeah. just the pain that you were in and how it manifested. And so I think this is just going to be an amazing episode. Also, you have a YouTube channel, which you're going to highlight at the end, just so that people right. can listen to you a little bit more and hear all the things that you want to teach about because it's just so powerful and amazing. Mm. Yeah. just want to hear where you came from but also want to hear about what you've been brought into and who you are now because of Jesus and yeah. to not really glorify the past, but to, yes, use the past to glorify Jesus and to explain what God's brought you into. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for having me on here. Um, it's a real honor for me to be honest. I felt pretty humbled when you reached out and were like, Hey, cool. can you come share on my podcast? I was like, your podcast, your podcast is awesome. Sure. I'll come share. That's great. Yeah. So I was, I was pretty pumped and, and so I'm humbled to be here and uh, just appreciate the time. Yeah. Right. On. So yeah, just to kind of to dive right into it. I was born into a Christian family and my dad was a first generation Christian. So he became a believer when he was 18 and my mom was born and raised Mennonite. Um, And uh, so together, you know, they were kind of in different spots when they were married and my dad was pretty rough around the edges and had a really bad temper. 
and, you know, never physically abused us, but was never, I never felt safe really being around him. Like he would just kind of blow up and rage. And, and so from quite young, I, I, I found that I, I didn't really like my dad very much. Mm -hmm. And today we have an amazing relationship. He's changed a ton. I've changed a ton, but back then it was really, really difficult. And so I noticed that by the time I was around 10, 11, 12, I just started getting really, really angry and like hated my life. You know, I remember sitting by the window and I would watch my dad's truck pull up when he came home from work and I, my heart would just sink. I was just like, oh, dad's home. Wow. You know, it was just yeah. like, and so anyway, uh, I just started getting really angry. And about when I was 13 is when it started to go downhill for me. And I met a bunch of friends on the block that I lived on in, um, in Panorama in Calgary and started smoking weed and cigarettes and started drinking a little bit. But when I was 14, I met this uh, girl on my block who I hit it off with really, really well. And so we started a really serious relationship. So when I was 14 years old, uh, 1999, I lost my virginity to her and her to me. And I thought she was it. Like, this girl is my world. And wow. she actually gave me the love that I was, I, I, looking back now, I was looking for in my family and didn't feel like I received. Mm -hmm. And so you kind of get love where you're looking for it, or you get it where you shouldn't always be getting it from. And so right. for me, it was just this situation of like, this girl's amazing, and I'm, I have everything I'm looking for in her. At that time, we were together for quite a few months, and then my parents thought, you know, like they found out we were sleeping together. Mm -hmm. And so like, this is totally not okay this is a really unhealthy relationship wow. and her parents found out as well they talked and so they forced us to break up in March of 2000 and I was devastated by that like absolutely devastated I was so angry wow. and so me and my girlfriend made a plan on running away to Texas and wow. so we're like if we can't be together then we'll just go and live our own lives and we'll be together how we want to be together you know these are 14 year old kids and so we actually made a plan to take the bus to Texas. We needed $400, it was $200 per ticket. I had $200. And so at three o'clock in the morning, I stole my brother's car. He's three years older than me. So mm -hmm. I took his 89 Toyota Camry and uh, cruised over to Panorama because uh, we had moved by this point to Springbank, another place by Calgary. And so it was about a half hour drive. And so I drove there and parked the car and we had a cab waiting because I didn't want to steal my brother's vehicle and leave it at a bus depot where he wouldn't find it. Because I, I, I felt kind of bad <laughs> yeah. for stealing it. And so I left, I wanted to leave it at my girl's friend's house where he would find it. And so I get there three in the morning and we were relying on her stepfather who always carried a big wad of cash in his wallet. Like it was not uncommon for him to have hundreds of dollars in his wallet. And so we had the 200 and we thought for sure he'll have at least 200 in his wallet. So she snuck into his room uh, at night and crawled on the floor beside the bed and reached up and grabbed uh, the wallet off the nightstand and opened it up to get our next bus ticket and the wallet was empty. There wasn't even 20 bucks in there. Oh. And looking back now, it was just totally the grace of God because who knows what would have happened in my life. I have mm -hmm. no idea. So I literally, we had to cancel. I had to take the car, drive it back home. And then the next day I went to school and I was super choked that I was at school and not on my way to Texas. <laughs> and so uh, we tried getting cell phones and nothing, they, my parents would find out. And I just eventually had to let this girl go. But it was so emotional for me because she, like I said before, she was like my life. Right. And so to have that taken away, it was, it was just such a crazy time of my emotions just being all over the map and I was so angry wow. and I hated my parents that that much more because of it yeah. and so um, I have and, a question for you yeah go ahead so when you first started smoking weed and stuff like that did it like hit your conscience like because you said you came from a Christian home so was there some sort of like oh this is bad I shouldn't be doing this or what was that like for you there was but I found at that time that how it made me feel in the moment 
trumped my conscience. Mm -hmm. It was like, I did feel bad for it, but it was like medication. It was like medicating pain that was already in my heart. And so at least it was somewhat of a reprieve, if only for a moment. The catch 22 in that is that afterwards, I often felt a lot worse. Right. Once you either come down off of it or you're, you know, hung over in the morning. Totally. Uh, it's never, never great, right? right? So I did know better the whole time. Yeah, but it just didn't stop me. I was just like, I w- the thing is with my family is that there was a lot of rules and regulations and I mm. wanted to be a free bird. I mm-hmm. just wanted to do what I wanted to do and do not cage me. Right. And the more you try to cage me, the more wild I'm going to get. And right. that's kind of what ended up happening. And so I ended up meeting a whole different group of friends outside of school. I was in grade 10 and I failed grade 10. And I met these guys outside of school and they're actually the native gang. And Mm -hmm. I was the only white boy in it. And so they called me the crazy washishi, the crazy white boy, because there was nothing I wouldn't do. Like I just, I carried weapons with me everywhere I went. My car was like an armory. I got into a big brawl downtown one night. And the police showed up and they unloaded my vehicle and they took all the weapons out of my car, they lined them up on my trunk and then they went on the top of the car and then they lined them up on the hood of the car and then they started lining them up going down the sidewalk with bats and knives and clubs and chains and I even had a samurai sword and like it was just, it was crazy. Uh, I was like the the mobile armory and um, I had machetes and I would, you know, jump out and let's go. and And were you using those? Yes, I did actually. I remember a specific time, and this is funny when you talk about the conscience part. Uh I I walked outside of a Mac store downtown with three of my friends, and there was three guys outside of the Mac store, and they were trying to pick a fight with my friend. So much so that they walked up to him, the one guy, and he he headbutted him in the face. Mm. And I just, I, I walked out to that scene. And so... You know, I'm a pretty small guy, but I would turn like full on honey badger where I would Mm -hmm. just like lose it. And so I saw that happen and I went to my car and I grabbed two machetes. I gave one to my friend who didn't get headbutted in the face and I took the other one and the guy's eyes kind of went big and they went to run. And so I chased down the one that I was that that had headbutted him. They all kind of split and went three different ways. And so I chased him down and we were running down downtown and I was flying with my machete in my hand and my other friends behind me with the machete in his hand wow. and we're like running past these people and, and you know when you go into an apartment how there's the first door uh-huh. you go through and then the second one you need a key. Right. So he made it through the first door but I got him before he got to the second one. And so we knocked him down, we were stomping on him and then this is where my conscience kicked in a little bit and I had a little bit of mercy and I, I remember taking the machete And I remember flipping it over to the doll side and I took it on the doll side. I just went to town on his shins and on his legs. And I just remember that 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 to me was a little bit of mercy. And so, you know, I I did use what was in my vehicle for sure. So I just got, uh, again, just more violent and angry. And I had dropped out of school in grade 10. I failed and I dropped out. I was like, I'm done with school. And my ex-girlfriend came back into my life again, the one from before. And I had been with a number of different girls up to this point, but she came back again. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to be with her again. And my parents were like, absolutely not. And so I just kind of hit my breaking point where the rules, all this stuff, I was too wild to be in this house. Like I just did not fit this family. I felt like I was put in the wrong family. And so I decided to run away from home and I got into a big fight with my dad and I packed up three garbage bags full of my clothes. Mm -hmm. I called my bro to come pick me up. He had a low rider and he comes in his truck and picks me up. I throw my my garbage bags into the back and we cruise downtown and he drops me off. And I moved in with three of the friends that I had really, they had become like my family. And, And so 
I lived with them. I got a job at a gas station and I just partied hard. I started smoking crack. I got into a little bit of cocaine and uh, mushrooms and ecstasy and and a little bit of acid. Uh, I didn't like acid too much. It freaked me out. But uh, I started drinking more and more, just partying. And then eventually it just led to me choosing to live on the street. And so I did that. I, I started living on the street. I met another homeless man who was, who, who, honestly, it was like he was like the Lord to me in the sense of how kind he was. Mm-hmm. And he knew he was actually a believer. Wow. And so he took me into his heated parkade and uh, he had a little box in this heated parkade. Wow. And so he let me stay in there with him for a couple nights and kind of showed me the ropes a little bit, you know, yeah. who to trust, who not to trust. And uh, where to be careful and all that. And if I could be honest, there's so many of those nights that I do not remember. Like I would mm-hmm. wake up in random places. I'd have no idea how I got places. Like it was just, it was just wild. Like I just, it was just a crazy time in life where I was partying hard. And then July of uh, 2001 or 2002, I can't remember. It was July. Uh, I was driving with my same friend, Jesse, with his, in his low rider truck. We were driving down a secondary highway and we got T-boned. And so I wasn't wearing my seatbelt and neither was my friend and my window was down and I remember holding on to the side of the door out the window. I was holding on to it. We got T-boned. So he hit my side. He hit the passenger side. I wasn't driving and we got catapulted into a telephone pole. And then there was another metal pole that was by the telephone pole that hit the back of the truck. And it was like the truck got curved underneath itself. Like it was absolutely totaled. And uh, we both walked away from that without a scratch, like nothing. And I should have died. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the problem was when the RCMP showed up, uh, I had a warrant out for my arrest. And so I was trying to hide from them. So I was a little bit nervous. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so they come and they say, Hey, you know, we got to take you to jail. So I was like, man, I just survived this crazy car accident, but now I got to go to prison. So it's right. a bittersweet day. Wow. Um, so I go to jail and I'm in the jail cell actually in Cochrane because it happened outside Calgary and I'm in the jail cell. And all of a sudden I have this moment of like realizing where my choices have gotten me. Mm-hmm. And I'm literally observing this jail cell, looking at the bars and being like, man, is this really what I want? Hmm. Is this really what I want? And then, and that's when I prayed. So my um, history with the Lord is that I didn't feel like I ever found God in church. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned about him there, but I didn't feel like I got to actually know him. But I always believed he was, he was real and true. I, I feel like I didn't know him very well, yeah. but I felt like he was kind. And I feel, I feel like that's the only thing I knew about him, that God was kind. Yeah. Um, but that was kind of the extent of my experience. And so I'm in this jail cell and I decide that like, man, I, I need to cry out to God here. Yeah. And so I did. I cried out to God. I said, Lord, I, I need you. I, I, I need you to speak to me. And so I just had this thought to ask the guard for a Bible. Hmm. And so I went up to the, uh, one of the police officers. I said, uh, hey, do you got a Bible? And he's mm-hmm. like, yeah, actually I do. And so he gave me this Bible. And I said, Lord, this book's really thick. I don't know where to find you in here. And so I'm not going to search for you. I'm just going to open it yeah. and you need to meet me there. Were you saying this out loud? No, it's all in my head. All in your head. Yeah. It was like this dialogue I had. Does it matter on. if you pray out louder in your head? Uh, I, I do both. Mm-hmm. I actually like to pray out loud now, mm-hmm. a lot now, because it's just like, you know, like you and me are talking, we're having a conversation out loud because you are really here. Right. And so Jesus is really here. Yeah. He's really with us. And yeah. so... I like to talk out loud. I don't always. And yeah. so he hears us either way. But yeah. relationally, I think there's just something good about doing it out loud and mm-hmm. not looking like a crazy person. Like yeah. when I'm just walking down the street, like, you know, going off. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I do, I do do both. Great. Um, but anyway, I'm in this cell and I just opened it. And it was to Proverbs 23, verse 15 to 28. And it basically just described my life. 
mm. and what was going on and the warnings God was giving me about the choices I was making and, and what he wanted to do for me in it, that I was to be his son. I wasn't supposed to be going down these roads that actually led to death, that he had life for me, that right. he had joy for me, that I was called to follow him and mm-hmm. to know him. Mm-hmm. And so I w- was a bit stressed. And so I asked the, the police officer, I was like, you know, can I go for smoke? And he's like, yeah, sure. He's a nice guy. So we went out to the police's car garage and I had a smoke with him in the garage and I processed with him a little bit. And he's like, you know, he said, I I really think you should call your dad um, and get him to come pick you up in the morning. How old were you at this point? 17. 17. Yeah. So I did. I got picked up in the morning. I got charged. Uh, I had, I got alternative measures. So I had to do 20 hours of community service and and some other stuff, but, uh, and I had to go to court and all that. Uh, but because I was under 18, I was able to get that alternative measures, right. which means it wasn't a permanent criminal record. Yeah. Um, and so I did the stuff I had to do and, and that, that went away. Um, but I went home and that's when I'd like to say things that got better, but they didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, they actually ended up getting, getting worse. Mm-hmm. And so I got an invitation from my grandma in 2003 to move out to uh, Victoria. And I thought, you know what, that is like the perfect answer. Like, just get out of Calgary, get out of my environment, let's try again. Hmm. But, you know, if you don't ever change the internal world, it doesn't matter where you go externally. You can go to another city. If the problems are in your heart, it doesn't matter where you go. And that's what was going on with me. So I went Hmm. to a new city with the same problems. Hmm. And so uh, I actually got worse there. And I got violent there again. I actually had a mace and not like the kind that you spray. It was like medieval, man. It was like a stick with a chain and a spike ball. Uh I'd stuff the stick down my pants and the spike ball in my pocket. And I I went everywhere with that because I was often outnumbered uh, because I was new to the island, right? So I didn't know as many people. And so I tried to even the odds a little bit with that thing. And so it it had a a great effect of striking terror and fear into a lot of people. So it did, it it, it helped me. Mm. But anyway, I remember being on the bus. I'm, I'm, I'm in Victoria, I'm trying to finish grade 10. I'm trying to actually get school done. And so I'm on this bus going to school and I asked this guy if he had a, just a random guy, if he had any weed on him. Mm-hmm. And he said, no, he says, but I do have crystal meth. And I was like, oh, I've never tried that. Sounds good to me. Wow. And so, uh, cause I was like, I, I just did not care. It was like yeah. the more extreme, the better. Yeah. And so he told me how to smoke it. Uh, or not how to smoke it, but what to smoke it with. And uh-huh. so you had to break a light bulb and put in a light bulb and suck the smoke through with a straw. Wow. And, uh, but he didn't tell me how to smoke it. And so I was used to smoking marijuana. And when you smoke marijuana, you hold it in as long as you can. And then uh-huh. you exhale and you get a bit higher. With crystal meth, you inhale and then you have to exhale immediately. Otherwise, it crystallizes in your lungs. It's terrible. For, not as if it's not already bad for you. It's right. really bad if you hold it in. Wow. Didn't know that. So I held it in for as long as I could. And I smoked the whole two points to myself. And I remember lying in, her, in my grandma's living room watching the news and there was this lady on the news talking and she was freaking me out. Like I was like, <laughs> what is happening? And then I felt like these spikes started to go through my skull and into my brain and I was like, Wah! I was just like, I thought I was going to die. Well, and, um, don't do drugs. Don't do drugs, kids. <laughs> and, and so the next day, uh, the next day, I was sicker than I have ever been in my life. I thought like, I've never been, still to this day, I've never been that sick. I could not get out of bed for three days. Wow. And so you'd think that after you have that kind of experience, you would never touch the stuff again. But mm-hmm. I was intrigued and I found out how to actually smoke it. Wow. And then there was also a girl I met out there that really liked me. And so, and she did a lot of cocaine. And so because she liked me, the Coke was free. And so I did a lot of that too. 
And I stayed in halfway houses. I roamed the streets downtown. I got into more violence. I almost died a few times. I remember I, I came up to the scene in a Safeway parking lot and there was a guy talking to this girl and he was being real aggressive with her. And I've always been really protective of women. It's just something in me. And so mm -hmm. when I saw that, it really bothered me. And so I, I went up to him and, and I was just like, hey, what's going on? Like whatever. And I found out that he owed her some money and they were around my age. Yeah. And, uh, and so I was like, dude, pay her the money, like pay up. I like, quit being a tool. And he's like, well, who the bleep, 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 bleep are you? Like, where do you come from? Like, mind your business, man. Yeah. And so he started to come at me and he had another friend. So I pulled out my mace, my stick with the chain and the spike ball. And I was like, come on, man. And his eyes like went like saucers and him and wow. his buddy jumped into their vehicle and they, they took off. Uh -huh. And now I'm with this girl and I think she's kind of cute. So we're just talking and having a conversation and uh, in the Safeway parking lot. And 10 minutes later, this guy comes back and he pulls out a handgun. And he wasn't that far away and he goes to shoot. And wow. she, this girl that I've just met, literally stood in front of me and she wrapped her arms around, around me backwards like that and put, put her head in front of my head so that he didn't have a shot. Wow. And at this point, people are coming out of Safeway, they're dropping their grocery bags, like what is going on? So he's yeah. getting nervous because of crowds, you know? And so he uh, doesn't have a shot, so he gets back in his vehicle, takes off, and I never saw him again. So looking back again, like what, what was, like what inspired that girl to risk her life for someone mm -hmm. she just met? Like I look back, I see, I see the grace of God and how he protected my life. So uh, the summer of 2003, I, I left Victoria, I came back home and I ended up going out one night in Calgary. Actually, I went to Banff, I was in Banff and I got into a fight with a bunch of bouncers at a bar and they kicked me out and it made me really angry. So I waited for the bar to close so I could go back and confront them. And so the bar closes and I go back and now there's four of their friends. So there's five bouncers and four of their friends. So there's nine of them and there's like four of us. And, but again, I just did not care. The bigger you were, the more of a challenge it was. And mm -hmm. so it was just like zero fear of anything. Wow. And so I went up to, I went up to the biggest bouncer of them all. And I just kind of like stood like, poof, I puffed my chest up into like his belly cause he was so tall and just started kind of melting him off a little bit. And he pushed me down and then I, I got, I was on all, all my hands and knees and then he boots me in the face and I go flying backwards. Wow. And at that point I'm really angry. And so I got up and I rushed him and I took out a knife that I had and I stabbed him. And, wow. uh, you know, by this point, uh, the, the police had were on their way. They came and all they hear is that I stabbed somebody. And so I got charged with assault. And so I was in the Banff jail. Uh, so I spent a night in there and I got charged with that and, and, um, so I had to leave Calgary after the summer. After all that happened, I went back to Victoria again. Mm -hmm. And so I was there for 2004. And at this point I had met who would become my son's mom. My, I have a 15 year old son. Mm -hmm. And so my wife isn't his biological mom, but she is in every other sense of the word. Yeah. Uh, and so I, anyway, I met, I met this girl and we were friends before, but never in a romantic kind of way. Mm -hmm. She moved out to Vancouver and we just kind of hit it off and just kind of hooked, hooked up. And so, we started dating and then we got into so much trouble together. We would be drinking and, and partying and doing ecstasy and just like all kinds. Of, I remember sneaking into the Bouchard Gardens mm -hmm. on the island. I was high on ecstasy. We snuck in at like one in the morning and walked through the gardens and all the sprinklers came on and wow. it was just, just <laughs> stupid stuff. And then we went to a party one night and I got into another fight. And what happened was a, a car had pulled up. We were on the native reserve, a car pulled up and there was four guys in it. It was just me and my girlfriend walking down the street and I had a walking stick in my hand because I was at this time I was actually living in a tent on the reserve. 
and they said something really derogatory to her mm -hmm. and they went to drive away. So I took the stick and I smashed out their back taillight as they went to drive away. And so they slammed on the brakes and all four guys jump out and they rush us. And uh, so I got three guys on me, one guy goes to her, one of the three that came after me was fairly passive. He wasn't much of a concern. Mm -hmm. And so I'm fighting these two guys off and I'm kind of holding my own. And I kind of glanced over at my girlfriend to see how she's holding up. And I just, as I looked over, I just looked in time to, to watch him punch her right in the face. Wow. And so that was another honey badger moment where yeah. I just lost it. <laughs> and I pushed these two guys off me and I rushed this guy and I pulled out this knife and I just went to town on his stomach. And she had a little knife and she was stabbing him in the back and he wow. just collapsed on the ground. Wow. And his friends were like, holy cow. And they come and they pick him up, they get him into the car and they take off. And thank God he, he didn't die. He was in the hospital for two weeks, uh, but had no permanent damage done. He did fully recover. Uh, but he ended up being a really well-known gang member. And so that meant we had a lot of people looking for us. Wow. And so we got to the point where we'd go to a party and people would be talking about these two people they were looking for. Mm. And I was like, we got to get out of here. Yeah. So we actually fled the island and we came back uh, to Calgary. She got pregnant with my son. And so he was born uh, in 2005. Wow. And uh, he was born to two very broken people. Mm. So you never did time for that then, hey? No, that was never, that was never, I never got, if I got caught for all the things I did, I would not be sitting here. Yeah. Yeah. I, the only thing that I ever had got charged with was the alternative measures I got when I was 17 for that warrant I had. And then for the assault on the bouncer in Banff. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, I wouldn't be here. Mm -hmm. I'd be locked behind bars somewhere. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I was just grateful that nothing permanent happened to him looking back on that. And so anyway, we come back to Calgary. And yeah, I started to realize like I need to grow up and like get a real job. And so I became an electrician, mm -hmm. started to pursue that. And then me and my girlfriend just put each other through hell together. She wanted to be with other guys. I didn't want to marry her, but I still kind of wanted to be with her. Mm -hmm. And so she started sleeping around and I started, I like became full blown alcoholic. I couldn't even sleep unless I was drunk because wow. it would be, just be so painful. So I would work. The second I got home from work, I'd down the vodka or I'd down the Captain Morgan and just, wow. I would get drunk as fast as I could so that I could feel numb because I was just in so much inner pain and turmoil. Yeah. And so uh, that was life for a while. And when I had my son, I was sober. I had him, I think every other weekend at that point. And so I would be sober when I had him, but still totally busted up. So fast forward. 2007, I met a girl outside of a bar. She was a, a, a stripper, an extra, an ex-stripper by that point. Crazy, and I liked her because she was so crazy, and we mm -hmm. were just we were just that way together. Mm -hmm. So we did a ton of cocaine together, and then it got to the point where her boyfriend, her ex-boyfriend, actually they had some kind of meeting up or whatever. This was a few months into our dating, and he lost on her and actually slit her throat, wow. and so she survived. And she was in the hospital, so I stayed in the hospital with her as she recovered. She had her whole neck all stitched up from one side to the other, like it was full on. And uh, and then two weeks after she was out of the hospital, she went actually went back. She went back to him. Whoa. And so I was just like, dude, you're crazy. Mm -hmm. Like you're you're crazier than me. And so I left that, and I was, I was doing cocaine about six nights a week at mm -hmm. this point. I was drinking like a fish and doing tons of cocaine, and I could feel in my body that I was going to die. Mm -hmm. um, like I knew I just couldn't hack it much longer. It had been over a decade of crazy substance abuse. Wow. And so I was landscaping at the time. I was working for my brother's company and I was raking grass or sorry, raking gravel on the side of this house. And I just realized how broken I was and mm -hmm. that I was going to die. And so mm -hmm. that at that moment is when I collapsed 
and I cried out to God for like mm. the first time since the jail cell. Yeah. And I cried out to him and I said, God, I don't know if you're real. I don't know if you actually love me like I hear people say you do, mm. but I can't change. Like the harder I tried to quit drugs or drinking, the worse I got. I had no power in my own ability. Mm -hmm. And so I reached this breaking point. I'm like, God, you need to show that you're real. You need to help me. I cannot change. Yeah. And it was at that moment that it was the first time in my life that I have ever heard God's laughter. And it was like, it was a bizarre experience. It was like, it was inside me. It was around me and Santa's got nothing on it. It was like, if you could define the sound of joy, it's wow. God's laughter. Wow. And I knew that he wasn't laughing at me. He was laughing with joy because I had finally cried out to him. It, that's, it's the moment he had been waiting for with great anticipation. I just knew that. Wow. And so I was like, wow. And, and then he spoke to me and he said, I'm going to get you and I'm going to get you really good. Hmm. And what I knew what he meant by that was that I'm going to get a hold of your life and I will never let you go. And so I was just in tears and I'm, I'm like, okay, Lord, yes, this sounds good. Save me. <laughs> but I, I, I want change, but I don't know how to get it. So I've cried out to God, but I don't know how to walk this thing out. So I've said this prayer. I've had this experience, but now what? I don't know. Yeah. So I'm still drinking that night. I'm still doing rails that night, yeah. but I've had this thing. And so two weeks after that prayer, my mom calls me out of nowhere and she was pretty nervous to talk to me and to propose what she was about to propose because she knew that I was in a really, really bad place. She didn't mm -hmm. know how bad, but she knew it was really bad. And she said, I heard of this ministry school and I don't know if you'd ever want to check it out. We had a, a friend, a friend of our son went there who had some issues and it ended up being really, really good for him. Mm. And so here's the number, call or don't call, up to you, right? And I was like, ministry school. I was like, nobody wants me at ministry school, especially the people who work there. And I don't want to go to ministry school. Yeah. But then I had this realization of like, well, maybe this is actually an answer to my prayer. Hmm. And so I thought, man, maybe I should just call and just see. Did your parents know how like messed up and broken you were right now? And uh, they, like, you ministry school. Yeah. <laughs> like, or the Lord had actually woken my dad up every day at 3am for a year to pray for me. Wow. And they had a lot of other people praying for me. Like my, my parents are, are, are awesome God fearing people. Like they, they, they really did love me through it. Yeah. I just completely rejected them wow. and I got so self-focused that it was all about how life is affecting me, how you've hurt me, how you've failed me, everything's mm. your fault, mm. total victim mentality, not owning my own life. And so everything is everybody else's fault. Right. Um, and that's why this, this process of being broken down to get to the place where I realized this is my fault. These are my choices. You know, right. I've, I've got myself here and I need to own that if I want to get better. Yeah. So my parents prayed for me like crazy. Wow. And so I called this ministry school and I talked to the director and we talked for back and forth a little bit. And he said, what's your name, by the way? And I said, Justin. He says, Justin what? I said, Justin Menzies. And he's like, Justin Menzies? He's like, you showed up in our computer system the other day. We're expecting you September 15th. And I was just like, oh yeah, cool, click. <laughs> like what? And uh, looking back on it and actually talking to the director later, I literally just showed up in their computer system and my mom would have never done yeah, that because she right, knew right. I had to make that choice. Right. And I knew in my heart that God had literally put me into the computer system and registered me for the school. And wow. that's how I knew I had to go. Yeah. And so this is in August, I prayed that prayer. September 15th is when I would go to ministry school. I went a few days early. On my way, or three days before I went to ministry school, I went on a three-day bender. Because I'm still broken. I'm still... <laughs> I think that's I mean? always the way it goes. <laughs> right? So I don't really remember those three days, but I smoked crack. I did coke. I drank like a fish. I, had, I didn't, like, didn't know where I woke up. Like, it was just crazy. It was a write-off. 
And then I'm driving to ministry school and driving from Calgary to Vancouver where the ministry school was. On the way to ministry school, driving down Trans-Canada Highway, I'm throwing out crack pipes and porn magazines and beer cans and knives and bats and cleansing as I go to ministry school. Wow. And the poor people had no idea what was coming. They had, they had no idea. And uh, they were so gracious to me. There are so many times I should have been kicked out of that school. And mm. one, of, uh, one of the leaders, actually, the Lord spoke to her. And he said to her, you need to keep this man here. Wow. It is imperative that he stays here. No matter what he does, you cannot kick him out. Like the Lord actually went to bat for me and spoke wow. to this woman like very clearly. And so no matter what I did, like they, there was some stuff, I, there were some disciplinary actions, <laughs> but they never kicked me out and they should have. Yeah. And so they That's were, amazing. yeah. So anyway, going to ministry school, again, I got to know about God in ministry school, but I got to actually know God in my bedroom. Hmm. It was in my bedroom where I would close the door when no one was looking and I'd just be like, Father, here I am. Hmm. Show me who you are. Teach me, show me who you are. I want to follow you. I want to walk after you. Show mm -hmm. me how to live this life that you've created me to, to live. Mm -hmm. And so I went to school knowing that I had to completely surrender my whole life to God. Not like 90%, like mm -hmm. 100%. And so, and that was a deal I made with God. I said, Lord, I will give you my whole life. But if this doesn't work, I'll die in my addiction. I know mm -hmm. I will. I'll go right back to it all. And I kid you not, I went to this school, I gave my whole heart to God, and my addictions were cut off, like not even a withdrawal. Wow. Like the smoking was the hardest, but the booze, like I had no hot sweats, no like, like the, the shakes, I didn't get any of that. It was wow. just cut off yeah. and gone and deprived of power. And that's when I knew it was like, okay, this isn't a theory, this isn't a religion, this is real. Yeah. This is like a life in God. Jesus is real and yeah. he is alive and well and he wants to heal us of all the things life has thrown at us and even our own horrible decisions. Mm -hmm. He is so much greater mm -hmm. than where we've been or what we've done. Mm -hmm. His mercy triumphs over judgment and right. he is right there. He'll leave the 99 to go after the one. He'll leave that ni those 99 sheep and he'll go after the one that was lost yeah. and took off. Yeah. And he rejoices more out over the lost one that he brings home than over the 99 who never left. Yeah, that's so good. It's amazing. That's so amazing. Yeah, so that's uh, that's the story of kind of what God brought me out of in a nutshell. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, you kind of just explained it, you know, mercy over judgment. But even when, when you were sharing your testimony about, you know, the Lord laughed because you finally came to the end of yourself. It's almost like, but no, like you stabbed people. Like yeah. you wanted to kill people. You were angry, like the things you did weren't right. So yeah. like, how is that fair? Right. Yeah. It's such a good question because in, 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 the, in the reality of what we've done, it's not fair, mm -hmm. but it's in our favor. And so you see that you, you see Jesus. I mean, it talks about how he was beat beyond description. He was marred more than all the sons of men. So that just simply means that if you could look at the worst whooping a human has ever got, you can look at Jesus. He mm -hmm. was marred more than all the sons of men. And it's like, why didn't Jesus just have to go to the cross and, and get some nails through his hands and feet? Like, mm -hmm. why did he have to be pulverized so badly? In uh, Isaiah, it says that he gave his beard to those who ripped it out and he did not hide his back from beating. Mm -hmm. It's like he gave himself to the whooping. Yeah. And when you look at that, you realize that why did you have to be marred more than all the sons of men? But when you go back to the garden and you look at how 
the fall of man took place, mm -hmm. while the time sin got done with Adam and Eve in the garden, they looked nothing like the image they were created in. They looked nothing like the Father. Mm -hmm. They were unrecognizable. So Jesus has to come now and lose his image to buy ours back. Wow. And so the cross doesn't just deal with our sin. It also reveals our value. Mm -hmm. You don't pay the highest price for something that's worthless. Right. You pay the highest price for something of incredible value. And so heaven went bankrupt in sending Jesus in our place. And so God's like, you'll never be able to pay for all the things that you've done. You'll never be able to make, make those things right. But I'll send my son in your place. Right. An innocent man will suffer for your sake. And this is the love of the father, that while we were yet sinners, he mm -hmm. sent his son. Yeah. And so that's why the gospel is so powerful, because it isn't fair. Right. But God comes in the midst of that and he grants us a pardon in something that we have no right receiving. Mm -hmm. But it, yet it's his good pleasure to do it right. because he does make wrong things right. And it says in, in Romans that when sin abounds, grace abounds. Right. So when we're at our worst, God is right there to show that he's at his best. Yeah. That he's so unmoved by our sin because he's already dealt with it and we just have to step into what he's accomplished. Wow, that's so good. So... Mm -hmm on a personal note then do you ever look back and feel like guilt or remorse like wow I did that to those people or this or that like does stuff like that ever come up at all yeah that was part of my my journey uh in in healing to be honest because I, I had all these things broken off my life but it mm -hmm. was there was a process of a number of years that went by and walking after God where he had to show me like it, he told me once he said your addictions were never a problem mm -hmm. I said excuse me they sure seemed like a problem and he's like no they were never a problem and he showed me a picture of a tree and the the fruit that was coming off the tree were all my addictions alcoholism the cocaine mm -hmm. the sex mm -hmm. the, all the stuff mm -hmm. that was fruit off of a tree that had sick roots mm -hmm. and so the lord said it wasn't your addiction that was the problem it was what drove you to addiction wow. that was the problem which was a sick heart and mm -hmm. i want to heal that and so i went through this process of years where i i felt incredible shame uh, and guilt over the things that I had done. And to be honest, I went through a long season in life where I felt guilty if I was happy. If I had yeah. even a moment of happiness, I felt instant guilt. Mm. I was like, I don't deserve to be happy. I'm like the last person on the planet who deserves to be happy. And God had to heal my heart of, of those things. And he did. It's, it's actually a whole nother testimony, but he brought me through a two year period where he brought up three major issues in my heart that had been with me my whole life. And he showed me exactly where they came in. And shame was actually one of them. Wow. The power of shame and condemnation, which is so anti-God. Hmm. He does not work in those realms. The enemy does. And so realizing of how much I've been forgiven, is those who have been forgiven much love much. And yeah. to be honest, we've all been forgiven much. I don't think there's anyone that doesn't fit that description. But more outwardly, I suppose I fit it. Hmm. Um, so those who have been forgiven much love much. And I realized that, man... I have been forgiven. And so mm -hmm. my journey in that was actually more forgiving myself. That was the hardest part. Um, but out of that, I now love like I never thought I could possibly love. Yeah. Like I meet strangers and I have genuine love in my heart for them. And it's the love of God. It yeah. is not me. Because before him, I could give two craps about you. Yeah. And now I can't help but, but love you and be mm -hmm. willing to give up things in my own life for your sake. And that's completely Jesus's fault. Yeah. <laughs> well done, Lord. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Oh, that, that's good. So it kind of, you just segued a little bit into what you've been brought into then. Hey, yeah. So, yeah. um, I love what you said about the fruit. That was something I shared about in my testimony too. It's so cool. good. It's just, cool. yeah, the tree and its fruit it's yeah, so good to get to those yeah. root issues. Right. So, important. Yeah. so yeah. Then what have you been brought into? Yeah. It's a great question. 
I have been brought into, honestly, in, in John chapter 8, Jesus says that he who commits sin is a slave to sin, but whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Mm-hmm. And so my life in Christ has been more about, Lord, okay, you said you are the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through you. So especially in our culture today, well, maybe that's your truth, or maybe this is my truth. Mm-hmm. No, it says Jesus is the truth. He's not a truth. Right. He's the truth. And so if that's what sets me free, I want to get to know him. Mm-hmm. And as I've gotten to actually know him, he has continued to set me free from so much. For example, he's been teaching me what it means to actually love someone mm-hmm. and like God's kind of love. And it's really interesting. And if you look in John 13, 30, 33 to 34, Jesus gives the disciples an incredible new commandment. He says, this is the new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you, mm-hmm. so love one another. The Old Testament says, love your neighbor as yourself. New Testament is love just like God does. He wow. has way up the bar. Wow. And that's only possible because he's now come to live inside of us. Right. And in 1 John 4, it says that God is love. Right. So it's not just something he does. It is the very essence of who he is. Right. And then 1 Corinthians 13 says that love keeps no record of wrong and it is not self-seeking. Hmm. It's not self-seeking. And so we've been taught North American love or Hollywood love, which is I love you if you love me. I love you if you're treating me right. And the moment you're not treating me right, you're cut off. Mm. But that's not actually love, that's need. Mm -hmm. So when we're saying we love someone, we're often saying I need you. And the moment I no longer need you, I'll cut you off. But love is not that way at all. God's love, could you imagine if God was like that with us? Like, again, like when we're at our worst, he's at his best. And I've I've learned from Jesus's life. And being a believer is so much more than I could ever imagine. And being a disciple of Christ where I'm following his example. So like, for example, in betrayal, you know, right when Jesus is about to be betrayed by Judas, and he's going to be betrayed to the point of being that man who's beat beyond description. Mm -hmm. And he knows full well what Judas is about to do. What does Jesus do in response? He washes his feet. He washed Judas's feet right before he's about to be betrayed because he never loses sight of who we are even when we do. And he saw him for greater than who he was. And so he washes his feet. And it's like, man, Lord, when I go through betrayal, which I have been through, Mm -hmm. even a few years ago, I went through a really nasty betrayal. And I was actually wanting to cut my friend off. I was like, man, we've walked through so much life. If this is how you want to see me and if this is the way that you want to treat me, then fine, man. Like, take off then. I don't need Mm -hmm. you in my life. Mm -hmm. And I remember I was driving down the road a week after this had happened or two weeks and I was thinking about cutting him off and then I had this thought. I was like, I should probably invite the Lord into my thoughts Mm -hmm. and ask him what I'm thinking about. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, Lord, what do you think about what I'm thinking about? And uh, he brought Proverbs 17, 17 to my mind, which says, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. And then he spoke to me and he said, maybe now your friend needs you more than ever. Maybe now he needs your prayers more than ever. Maybe now would be a really good time to actually love him and not throw him under the bus. Because if God doesn't treat us that way, and so if he said, love them as I have loved you, then that love is so powerful. Yeah. It means that I'm not treating you for how you're treating me. Mm-hmm. I love you. Mm-hmm. And because I'm getting my love from the source, which is God, now I'm free to actually love you and not need that love in return. Yeah. Because I have love God's way. Amazing. So now I can just love people regardless of how you treat me. You could spit in my face and I'm still called to absolutely love you. Yeah. And to do it with a smile on my face, that's not so like, yeah, I love you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it's amazing. So that's one of the things that God has continues to bring me into, which has changed my life. That's and great. I'll share one story uh, mm-hmm. that happened two years ago. 
with uh, some homeless people uh, where God's just called us to, this looks like something, laying down our lives and loving people. Mm-hmm. And so there's a, a group of friends that I have that they seek the Lord. They were doing this once a week where they would ask the Lord, where in the city should they go? Who needs prayer? Who needs help? Mm-hmm. And so God, the Lord would put a location on their heart and they would go and they just keep asking the Lord, okay, who needs, who needs prayer? Who needs help? Yeah, well. And they go to the, uh, the Lord led them to Shanks to a bar mm-hmm. and they walk into the bar. And as soon as they walk into the bar, my friend, all of a sudden getting started getting suicidal thoughts. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, I'm not suicidal. So it's not me, Lord, who is that? Yeah. And he highlighted a man to them in the corner uh, that was having these suicidal thoughts. And so they walked right up to him and they're like, Hey man, how's it going? Like, uh, you doing okay? And they talked for a bit and then he totally opened up and he's wow. like, I planned on killing myself tonight. Wow. And they're like, no, like Jesus, love, let me pray for you. We just yeah. want to love you and support you. Here's our number. Call us whenever you need. Mm-hmm. And so a week after that, I'm at this group uh, hanging out with my friends. We're having a house church and the phone rings at 11 o'clock at night. And it's this guy that they had met at the bar and, uh, and he was homeless. Uh, he was actually living in a, uh, he was staying in a hotel but he really lived in a tent by the river. Hmm. Um, and so he's staying in this hotel. He'd gotten into a motorcycle accident. Uh, he, had a, he had an old school dirt bike and he crashed it and broke his leg or his ankle, sorry, and his wrist was like all totally messed up. Wow. And he had to get surgery. And so he called, he said, I'm in a hotel room. I was gonna kill myself. And I was just cleaning out my wallet and I found this phone number and a voice told me to call it. Wow. And so, who are you again? <laughs> and you're like, dude, where are you? We'll be right there. Yeah. So me and my friend go to this hotel room and it was like the tiniest little, the bed, I don't even know how they got that bed in there. It was like big enough for a bed and you could swing your feet over onto the one side. It was so tiny. And then there was a bathroom. And here's this guy, the room is filled with, with cigarette smoke. It's like walking into a wall of smoke. And he's got a cast on his foot and a cast on his wrist. And he's lying there looking like death. And uh, we walk in and we just shared God's love with him. We shared the gospel with him and, we're, and we explained baptism and like, dude, do you want to, do you want to surrender your life and give it to God? And we, we, there's a tub right here. We can baptize yeah. you. And so he's like, yes, I want this. And he received the Lord. Wow. And so we put a bag around his calves and we filled up the tub and, yeah. and it was a, such a neat experience because we dunked him under the water and it was like the presence of God came. And as soon as he came up out of the water, it was like there was a light on his face. Wow. Like he looked like a different yeah. person, That's like amazing. God had come upon him. Yeah. And so... Can um, you explain baptism really quick in case someone doesn't know Yeah, exactly so baptism why. is simply, Jesus says in Mark 16, 16, believe and be baptized. And so as soon as we believe in Jesus, uh, we're called to be baptized. And what baptism really is, is it's a surrender of our lives and, and understanding that there's a sin nature that we were born into. We were born into Adam. There's mm-hmm. a sin nature that came with the fall of man. Jesus came to restore the image that was lost. And so we can now become children of God again and no longer children of Adam. Mm-hmm. And so the baptism is all, is all about us going down under that water, the old me, all that sin nature, the things that I, I can't help but doing. I can't help but hate you or want to smoke weed or want to do drugs or want to be angry at you or not forgive you or that mm-hmm. whole anger and all that sin nature mm-hmm. that came with the fall of man that we were all born into goes down into that water. And it's, it says in Romans 6, 3 to 4, that we've been buried through baptism with Christ that we might be raised to life in him. And it's like a, when a baby's born, before a baby's born, the water in a woman breaks mm-hmm. and then this new baby comes out. Yeah. And baptism has a similar imagery in that we're, we're underneath that water and we break out of that water a new creation. Second yeah. Corinthians five seventeen that those who are in Christ Jesus have become a new creation. The yeah. old has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That's and so you're raised up out of that water in the newness of life. And so that's what that baptism is and that's what happened with him 
His old man went down under that. The old man just is another word of, uh, or another way of describing the sin nature. Uh-huh. Was down under the water and he was raised up into wow. the newness of life. And you could see it on his face. He was like so had the good. biggest smile on his face. Wow. And then, uh, and then I said, well, Lord, now what do I do with him? And, and the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to take him home. And I was like, I was thinking this. I heard about this. I think. I did remember. you? Yeah, you had someone living at your house, and when you were sharing the story, I was like, "Is this this guy?" Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, I ended up bringing this guy into our home, wow. and uh, I we I, I called my wife, and I was like, "Hey, I'm bringing someone home, honey." <laughs> and I made sure it was cool with her, and it was because wow. she loves Jesus too. That's amazing. Hey, wait, can you answer one more question about yeah. baptism? You said when you believe in Jesus, you get baptized. Yes. Okay. So what about in church when people wait? long time what's uh yeah yes you, where so, are you at with that or what yeah does the bible say or yeah it's a really good question so again in mark 16 16 jesus answers that question he says believe and be baptized and then when we go through the book of acts the book of acts is a is basically the historical part of the new testament where it goes through lots of stories and it talks about uh, how the the early church were disciples of Jesus, how they lived their lives, and mm-hmm. how they brought the gospel to the world. Mm-hmm. And every time we see someone become a believer, they are immediately baptized. Right. There is no waiting period. It's right. like you believe and you're baptized. Right. In Acts eight one to six, it talks about how Paul actually comes to a city called Ephesus, and he runs into these brand new disciples that he had never met before. And the very first question he has for them is, "Hey." did you receive the Holy Spirit? And they're like, we haven't even heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Mm. And then he asked them, well, in what baptism were you baptized into? And they said, well, we were baptized into John's baptism, which was John the Baptist who came before Jesus and he baptized people into repentance. Mm -hmm. And he says, well, you need to be baptized into the Lord Jesus and I'll lay my hands on you and pray that you get the Holy Spirit, Mm -hmm. that God's Spirit comes to live on the inside of you again. And so I find it interesting that Paul's very first concern when he meets a new believer is, did you get baptized in water into Jesus and Mm -hmm. did you receive the Holy Spirit? Wow. And so baptism uh, is super important. It's not a suggestion. It's a life-giving commandment. Yeah. And we are called to do it immediately. Wow. And we also don't need to have all our friends there. That's also not biblical. You can. Uh-huh. Uh, it's great to have family and friends celebrate uh-huh. with you, but don't let that stop you from right. getting baptism if they can't be there. Right. Baptism is between you and the Lord, not you and people. And, and you so, don't have to be good enough to get baptized. Oh, no. That Actually, the whole point is that we're, we're not good enough. Right. And that's why we're getting baptized. There's totally. a cleansing that happens. There's where God washes over us. And it actually says in the word that he cleanses us from a guilty conscience. Right. So all that, that stuff that you talked about before where, uh, you know, did you ever feel bad for this stuff? Yeah, I did. But then uh, God washed me of that guilty conscience. So I have no more shame and condemnation. I have forgiven myself yeah. just like God's forgiven yeah. me. Okay. One more mm-hmm. question now then. We haven't mm-hmm. talked about receiving the Holy Spirit yet on the on okay. JGT. Yeah. So can you explain what that is? Because when mm-hmm. you get born again, you get the indwelling spirit. Is that correct? Yeah. So if you look in John 19, it talks about how when Jesus is first, he dies, he's raised back to life again. And the very first thing he does with his disciples when he comes and meets them is he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. What's the very first thing he did with Adam? He made Adam out of a lump of clay and then he breathed the breath of life into him, the Holy Spirit into him. And so that that got lost in the fall of men when we chose disobedience and we chose to walk away from God. We lost that. Mm -hmm. And so Jesus gets resurrected and the very first thing he does is he comes back to breathe on humanity because what was been lost is now restored. Mm -hmm. And so, but then uh, in Luke 24, 49, 
it says that Jesus goes and says, and now I want you to go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. And it's like, well, wait a minute, we just received him. Mm-hmm. Yes, you did. But now there's a promise of the Holy Spirit. And he says the promise is about the, the Holy Spirit coming to indwell you, to give you power from on high that you might be a witness to the world. And so what the baptism of the Holy Spirit does or receiving the Holy Spirit does is it actually empowers you to do what you could never do on your own. Mm -hmm. So there's things that you can do in God that are impossible for man to do. Mm -hmm. You can pray for healing for people. You can get information about somebody that you have no business knowing. And it's Mm -hmm. not to expose them, it's to love them and to show them that God's real, which is why uh, uh, Paul says that the kingdom of God is not simply a matter of talk but of power. That power comes from the Holy Spirit who comes to make us a witness being like, and here's just a quick example. I got into a a discussion with a guy who had, I think it was scoliosis where his spine Mm -hmm. was bent Mm -hmm. and his rib cage was deformed. And he was trying to tell me how God wasn't real. And so I, I don't argue with people. I don't have time for that because right. it's not going to produce very much. And I'm not looking to be right. right. I'm looking to love someone and give you a demonstration. I said, well, how about this? How would I pray for you for God to come upon you and heal you right now? And then you'll just know that he's real. Hmm. And he's like, fine. So I prayed for him, uh, me and three other guys. We prayed for him. And I kid you not, it was an amazing experience. His spine was bent like an S. His spine went... <laughs> kind of cracked and straightened right out. His rib cage went back and became totally normal and he stood up straight like he had never done before. And he was a mess. He just burst into tears. And that was an example of why we have the baptism of the Holy Spirit where we've been Mm -hmm. given that Holy Spirit. We've been endued with power from on high, something I could have never done on my own. own. Yeah, it's not possible. But because of him, he called me to be a witness where there's power that's a demonstration of, hey, God is real and mm-hmm. he loves you and mm-hmm. he cares about your life. Let me show you, not just tell you. Right. That's so good. Okay. So what does that look like practically then if someone's never been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Yeah. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes with the laying on of hands. And if you look in John chapter four, it, it actually talks about the difference between salvation and having the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So in John four, it says that when you drink the waters that Jesus has for you, which is a metaphor of just receiving the truth of his spirit, receiving of that, that he is the son of God, he is who he said he is, that there is like a fountain that rises up within you that, that bursts out into eternal life. So there's mm-hmm. a fountain rising up. But then in John 7, he says that when you have the Holy Spirit, rivers of living water will flow through you. Uh-oh. And so the, the, the salvation is that fountain rising up. Mm-hmm. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit and being baptized and endued with power from on high is that river that flows out to others. Mm-hmm. And so uh, you see, again, the difference between the two, that we, we get saved, absolutely, you get, you get saved, and then you get baptized in water, and then you get filled with the Holy Spirit. And whenever you look at this taking place in the Bible, it's all at once. Hmm. It was like, that's called being equipped for every good work yeah. in God, which is what the Bible talks about. Yeah. So we are fully equipped. I've been saved. I've been baptized. I've been filled with his spirit. Yeah. And now I can manifest him everywhere I go. So without that, it's, it's almost impossible. Well, it's not impossible, but it's very difficult for a Christian to live the life that God's called them to without having that power that right. he wants to give us through the Holy Spirit. Right. And again, that was redeemed because of what Jesus has done. Right. Would you say that's maybe not as enjoyable like that? Or do you think... Uh, it's, 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 it's nowhere near as fruitful. Mm. And you're, you're nowhere near as effective. Mm. 
mm-hmm. because the, the, the importance of it is just so big. Jesus said, you guys don't do anything. Go wait here in Jerusalem until you receive the promise. They waited 40 or 50 days. I can't remember which one, but they waited a long time mm-hmm. for it to come. Mm-hmm. And then from there, they went out. And I would say that the big, one of the biggest signs that you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, that you received him, is actually boldness. Hmm. There is a boldness that you just have to go and share the gospel. Yeah. Uh, there, there's a you're not there's this no fear of man yeah. that kind of comes on you, and it and I find it ebbs and flows. But the more you yield to it and mm-hmm. and do it, mm-hmm. the more you uh, experience it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. And also too, just practically. Um, Peter, one of Jesus's disciples, he had denied Jesus three times exactly. before Jesus died. And one was yeah. to like a teenage girl, I think, or something. Yeah. He's just so afraid to confess yeah. that he knows Jesus. Then he gets filled with the Holy Spirit, preaches about Jesus, right. why Jesus came. And how many people got saved? A couple yeah, thousand? 3,000. 3,000. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, that's amazing. The boldness is key. Absolutely. It is. Yeah. And to be a witness. And what I love about Jesus and Peter and that whole story when he betrayed him is that, again, Jesus never loses sight of who we are. Mm-hmm. And with the, when as soon as he's, it wasn't just Peter, all his disciples left him. Mm-hmm. Peter denied him three times, but it says that all his disciples forsook him and fled mm-hmm. when the Romans came to do their thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the very first thing he says about those same disciples when he's resurrected is he meets with the women and he says, go tell my brethren that I'm, I'm coming to see him. I want to yeah. see him. Go tell my brother. He didn't say, go tell those two-faced disciples who said they would follow me to death and then right. scatter when I needed them most. He said, no, go tell my brethren. He never loses sight of who we are. Right. Again, when we're, when we're totally missing it and we screw up and we mess up, he, it never changes him. It never yeah. changes how he sees us. Yeah. And so it's just really powerful. Yeah, it's so good. Mm-hmm. I've just been so touched by all the scripture you've been sharing today and how it, it, you're becoming it. It just flows off of you. And so with that being said, like, referring to the baptism of the Holy Spirit gives you power to actually do these things that are in the Bible, right? Yeah. Like we don't just read the Bible because it's like, okay, Jesus did this, whatever, this or that. Yeah. But this is the commandment that the yeah. Lord has for us, right? Yes. Is to go and to make disciples of all nations, you know, baptizing yeah. them, healing the sick, all that stuff. And I just love that you're living that out. And so um, could you just share a little bit more on that, like your love for the word or because yeah. it's like, whoa, you were talking about before you didn't want to be chained down by anything this or that no it's like well <laughs> right. you just read the word so much or like can yeah. you talk a little bit about the word of god yeah i absolutely love the word of god it used to be very boring to me but it talks about how paul actually says in corinthians that the the letter without the spirit is dead hmm. and the letter is uh, when in his context what he's saying is he's talking about the bible he's talking hmm. about the old testament that's what they had the letter and he said without the holy spirit is dead Mm-hmm. And I would say uh, that without having relationship with God, it's just another book. Yeah. But having relationship with the Holy Spirit, it becomes the living word. And if you look in John chapter 1, it says of Jesus that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. It's like the word put on a body and Jesus came out and said, ta-da, this is who God really is. This is what I'm really like. This is what I've been wanting to show you from the beginning. This mm-hmm. is who I really am. Hebrews 1 says that Jesus is the expressed image of the invisible God. He is his expressed image. And so Jesus's life lived is the word made flesh. And then he called us to follow him, Hmm. which means we can too. And if you look in 1 John 2, 4, it says that anyone who says they abide in him ought to walk just as he walked, just as Jesus walked. And he goes on to later say in the same book of chapter four, he says, 
Just as Christ was, so are we in this world. Mm. And so again, that's something I never heard preached or talked about, but it's in my Bible. Mm. And so when it comes to reading the word, I want to encourage anybody that it is not complicated. It's so simple. Mm. And a lot of times you think, well, I got to go to seminary or I got to go to this ministry school or I got to go here to learn about this. None of those things are bad. But Jesus said the opposite. He said, if you want to come into the kingdom, become like a child. Hmm. Become like a little child. Approach him in childlikeness. Where it's just like, Lord, I'm not just going to open this Bible and just read what I've always believed. I want to open this book and believe what I read. And there's a really big difference that when I open the word, I I believe it verbatim. It's Hmm. like, this is what you said. And this, that settles it. You've said it, that settles it. Mm -hmm. And then I go and like, I turn that into an an engaging conversation with God. So I'm not just reading the scripture, I'm communing it back to him. As an example, Jeremiah 17 says that those who trust in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord, will be like a tree planted by waters that Mm -hmm. sends forth its roots by the streams. It does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves are always green, and it is not anxious in the year of drought, for it never ceases to bear fruit. Mm. Powerful scripture about the benefits of simply trusting God with our whole lives. So now that becomes a prayer. I'm not just reading it, okay, cool. No, now, Father, I thank you that you're causing me to be that tree that's planted by those living waters. Lord, I thank you that you're causing my roots to go down deep, that I'm rooted and grounded Mm. in love, like Ephesians 4 says, that you cause my my leaves to always be green and and even when there's the heat of the day and adversity comes my way, mm-hmm. I'm not going to cease from being green and being healthy and knowing who I am and who I belong to. Mm-hmm. Father, I also thank you that you've not given me an anxious mind. Anxiety is not in your kingdom. And I thank you that I've received your kingdom. It lives inside me. So thank you, Lord, that in the year of drought, when I don't know where maybe my next paycheck's coming from, I thank you that I do not have an anxious mind for I don't ever cease to bear fruit because I'm attached to the life-giving vine right. of who you are. Yeah. And I can bear fruit because I'm so in Christ. Thanks for making me your son. Yeah, so good. Right? So now you're you're not just reading scripture, you're communing it and releasing faith and desire that Mm -hmm. God would do what you're reading Mm -hmm. so we also become the word made flesh through the power of the Holy Spirit. Right, because at the other end of it, without Jesus, you're nothing. Yeah, yeah, and you can do nothing, right? right? It's like Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing, but in me, there's nothing you can't do. Right. So it's the paradox, (laughs) right? It's like, it's so much fun. And, And if I could be honest... Jesus is so much fun. Being a believer, like I, ex- guy, I experienced the world. I did the drugs. Yeah. I was with the girls. Ooh. I drank the booze. I went to the clubs. I did the parties. I was part of them. I had everything that the world say, this is the fun way to go. This mm-hmm. is what will give you life. Mm-hmm. It brought nothing but death. And mm-hmm. I would want to encourage you guys that I have adventures with God. Yeah. He is so much fun. And life in him is so exciting. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I just love my life in him because I never know what's going happen I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow right and it's exciting because Mm -hmm. I have no idea who God's going to bring into my path Mm -hmm. I've even gone out to the bush and I'll ask God for an encounter with a bear Mm -hmm. because he's made me wild and he he there's a part of me that he's made that way and Mm -hmm. it's to be enjoyed with him Mm -hmm. and I remember going out to the bush one time and I was like Lord I really want to see a bear I said can you bring me across a bear and I want to like like sneak up on him maybe. And, uh, and so I went out to the bush and long story short, I come across this bear that's sleeping in the, in these trees and there's a beam of sunlight coming down, wow. bathing this bear and he's just kind of having a nap. And in, in the beginning, it says that God gave us dominion over all the animals. And mm. it's not to be uh, an overpowering way. It's actually in a way to steward 
in a, in a good way and mm-hmm. to wow. be good stewards of those animals. No, no weird abuse or nothing like that. Right. But I believe that I don't have to fear bears because God's given me dominion. So I can tell them what to do, wow. like to leave me alone. Uh, <laughs> and I wanted to practice this. So I said, Lord, can I sneak up on them and, and like practice this dominion thing? Because I believe it's been restored through Christ. And wow. I felt like the Lord said, go for it. And so I was like, okay. So I sneak up to this bear and I get about 20 yards from him. And he's kind of sitting on his on his butt with his uh, with his arms between his legs. He's just kind of like slouched over. And I was like, it's just a little black bear. He wasn't mm-hmm, very big. Mm-hmm. But I was like, hey bear, wake up! And the bear kind of jumps up and he looks at me and then he just books it off into the trees. But then I watch him, I can see him through the trees. He does this circle all the way around and then starts booking it straight up towards me. Wow. And I was like, Lord, now what do I do? And I, the Lord just spoke right away. He said, charge him, run straight at him. And I love this stuff because it's like David mm-hmm. and Goliath stuff where it's mm-hmm. just like, Jesus, you're real. And if you're not, I'm in trouble. Yeah. And so I booked it right for the, right for the bear. I ran straight for him and we're getting to be, you know, a number of yards apart and he slams on the brakes and his eyes get big and he turns around and he takes off Wow! and he was gone. And uh, it's just a funny story, but, but life in God is fun and there's an adventures that he mm-hmm. has for us that mm-hmm. are incredible. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's so much fun yeah. and he has an amazing sense of humor. Wow, God so invented good. humor. Yeah. Like he is, you know, it says uh, in, in Hebrews 1, 8, that Jesus was anointed with the oil of gladness more than all of his companions. Hmm. And sometimes we get this funny picture of a very serious Jesus. It says right there that more than anybody he hung out with, he was anointed with that oil of gladness. Jesus was a wow. happy, happy man. Yeah. And so it's important that we know that. Yeah, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so practically speaking, what do your times with the Lord look like then? If someone's listening to this, they're like, wow, this guy is like, you know, there's obvious fruit in your life of all these incredible things. Practically, I mean, you like to go out in the bush with the Lord. You yeah, like to read yeah, the word. Yeah, absolutely. Honestly, it's, it's um, I, I wake up and I, as soon as my eyes are open, I'm like, good morning, Lord. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I want to start my day with him. Mm-hmm. And it's like, good morning, Lord. I was like, Father, I love you. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that this is a day that you've made. I'll rejoice and be glad in it. And no matter what comes my way today, I thank you that you'll father me through it. I thank you that you're with me. I thank you I'll never be alone again, that you'll never leave me or forsake me. You're my best friend. Mm -hmm. I want to come out the other side of this day looking a little bit more like you than I did waking up to it. Lord, thanks for being my best friend. Thanks for being the best father. Would you just come and and be with me as I go through my day? When I go to a grocery store, show me which are the best oranges to get. Show me who's best battling with depression. Show me who's got anxiety. Help me to go into this place and just release your presence when I go yeah. into a grocery store that people would be touched by your spirit, encouraged and feel your love and your joy. Right. God, help me manifest you anywhere that I go. Yeah. And so I, I commune with him. I talked to him like a friend. Even earlier this week, I, I woke up and I, I was just feeling like super bummed mm-hmm. and uh, having a hard day. And I just woke up and I said, God, I thank you that this heaviness is so not from you. It is not what you have for me. And I break my agreement with it. I don't agree with this heaviness. I agree with the joy that you have for me to walk in today. You know, if you look at the fruit of the spirit, which comes from relationship with God Mm -hmm. in Galatians 5.22, it's love, joy. There's nine of them, but love, joy is the second one. Mm -hmm. And I have found that in many places, a lot of believers struggle with joy. Yeah. And, it, and for me, it goes back to uh, Luke chapter 2, verse four to 8 to 14, where it talks about when the birth of Jesus is announced, mm-hmm. the angels show up, and God's so pumped that the time has come to send his son because he's going to buy his kids back. 
And mm-hmm. so he's so pumped that he doesn't just send one angel. He sends an entire host of angels. It's a display of heaven's emotion wow. that he has sent his son. So the angels show up to these shepherd boys and they're like, behold, we bring you glad tidings of great joy, mm-hmm. which will be for all people. Glory to God in the highest, peace on earth and goodwill towards man. Mm. God wants peace on the earth and his will towards man is so good. And it says glad tidings of great joy. And so I've found that when we don't really understand the glad tidings, we're really lacking the great joy. Mm. But when we get the glad tidings of what the gospel is really all about and our lives redeemed and brought back to him, you can't help but have joy because you get it. I'm not just living for a nice day today. I'm, I'm right. living for something way more than just today. Right. There's an eternity and an eternal perspective I have right. that it does not matter what life throws at me. And life has thrown some hard things at me being a believer, mm-hmm. but God has fathered me through it. And my prayer when I'm going through things is, Lord, would you cause me to come out the other side of this looking more like you than I did going into it? I don't want to be molded by life. I want to be molded by you. I don't want to be a disciple of life where life is teaching me. I want to be a disciple of Christ where your life lived is teaching me. And that's a way different place to live. And it's a way different place to respond to what life throws at you. Where I'm responding in the truth of who God is in the midst of whatever life, Mm -hmm. however life goes. And so in that place, there's this joy that you have. And I don't know, I feel like I'm going off on rabbit trails, but it's just, it's being a believer is incredible. Mm -hmm. It does not mean it's easy, but it's absolutely worth it. And so if you just cry out to God from your heart, your prayers don't need to sound like mine. God wants to hear your heart, yeah. not not my words in your mouth. He mm-hmm. wants to hear your mm-hmm. words in your mouth. And mm-hmm. so it's like, Lord, I don't, you know, even listening to this guy on this podcast, like there's there, there seems to be things he's talking about that I feel like I want, but I don't know how to get. Mm-hmm. That right there is where you just release that to God. And you're like, Lord, I desire to really know you. I mm-hmm. desire to love you and mm-hmm. to be loved by you. Mm-hmm. And I just release my faith in you that you will do in me what I cannot do. Right. And I release my desire to you that mm-hmm. I want you to do it. Yeah. And so, so I ask you to do it. And yeah. it honestly can be that simple. Right. And it needs to be done in relationship, right? You yeah. can't just listen to this and expect God to do something in your life per se. It needs to be personalized towards him, right? That's right. Crying out to him, asking him yeah. to meet you. That's right. Yeah. And being, and being real. And there was times where I honestly, I didn't even want to hang out with God. Mm-hmm. And so I tell God that because he wants us to be real. I was like, Lord, I don't feel like hanging out with you. Can you please soften my heart? Can you please draw me after you? Like, I need you to need you, God. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Yeah, and so, so there's been, I've been real. Like, he can, he knows what's in our heart. He actually wants to hear it. Mm. And so if I, I actually feel to share this story. Uh, it's funny I'm doing it on a podcast. I didn't think I'd ever do it. But I'm going to, I'm just, it's, it's, it's a real quick story. Sure. But I actually had the Lord get upset with me once when I was still really rough around the edges and coming out of all this stuff. Uh, but I'd given my life to him. I, he got mad at me for not swearing. And yes, he got upset with me for not swearing because I was, I was holding, I was like, I was so mad and I was just like, God, how come, ah, you know, (laughs) and I hadn't been, I didn't have all that stuff cleaned up yet. I was still rough around the edges. And so the Lord said, son, you are not being real with me. Hmm. You're not being real. Let it out. Drop it. Hmm. And so I dropped it. I dropped the F-bomb and I was just like, ah. And he was, and that might be offensive to some religious, religious minds, but honestly, God, there was a freedom that came out of that where God wanted to hear the expression of my heart with where I was at. He's not looking for sugar-coated 
us trying to polish ourselves up. He's looking for us to come to him in the midst of our pain or brokenness or anger, being a total mess and falling at his feet. And then let him come and do the cleaning because only he can. Let him come and do the encouraging and to do the the lifting up where he's picking us up and pulling us out of a like a muddy pit where he picks us up and pulls us out of our thinking that is just so not in line with truth. And he's the one who does that. And so Mm -hmm. if we don't come to him like we are, then how can he do what he wants to do? Mm -hmm. He wants us to be real. And so that's happened once in my life wow, where, really where cool. it was important, where God's like, be real with me. You're wow. faking it. Yeah. Okay. I have yeah. a question for you. This is fun. So I thought of a Bible verse about that mm-hmm. and maybe you know exactly where it is. So is it Jesus when he says from the abundance of the heart, the mouth, the mouth speaks? speaks Where's yeah. that from in scripture? Uh, Matthew. I can't remember the exact <laughs> chapter, but it's in there. <laughs> the first one that you didn't get. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that makes me think, you know, too, even if people are swearing or this or that, it's like, that's just where you're. Your that's, that's where, you're where at. your heart is at, right? Such a but good you point. can turn that to a prayer. Thank you, Lord, yeah. that you're changing my heart. Like, yeah. yes, I'm dropping f bombs right now, or I'm this and that, but you're yeah. molding me, shaping me, all that stuff. Yeah. The real test of time is always when you like stub your toe to yeah. see what comes out. Oh yeah, totally, <laughs> <laughs> totally, <laughs> totally. But that's such a great point that you just made. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, and so yeah, be real with God mm-hmm. and, and trust Him to to do what what He wants to do in that. But just be real. It's so important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This has been so exciting. You have a YouTube channel yeah which would love to shout it out just because you're what you're sharing has been amazing and if people want to listen to more of what you have to say I think that'd be awesome do you want to just give a little blurb about that yeah so I started it uh not very long ago and if I could be really honest I'm I'm only doing it because I know that God has asked me to it's Mm -hmm. not something I would have ever done in my life And one of the things that I've prayed uh, is um, from Philippians 2, where it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who made himself of no reputation. Mm. And so that's been a desire of my heart, where I am not in any way wanting to promote myself or throw myself... I want to make myself of no reputation and mm-hmm. where it's just like, it is so not about me. And so I was like, I don't ever want to do something like that. And then one of the very first things God asked me to do, uh, cause he's asked me to lay down my company actually. And so I'm, I'm in the process of laying down my profession. I have my own company wow. as a journeyman electrician yeah. and I'm laying it down. And I feel like Peter with the nets, drop your nets and follow me, drop mm-hmm. your profession and follow me. Wow. Uh, I'm in the middle of doing that right now where I've laid my company down. And then the first thing God gets me to do is start a YouTube channel. And I was like, Lord, we talked about this. I thought this is what I, I don't want to do. And so it's funny how God will just come in and, and uh, he just challenges stuff. But I'm not trying to promote myself. I, I'm, I'm being obedient to the Lord. And so I think I have, I don't know, four or five videos or something. It's called Ministry of the Feet, mm-hmm. which is a funny name. It's not mine. The Lord picked it, uh, which is a whole nother really funny story. But it's actually the real cry of my heart. And mm-hmm. so Ministry of the Feet is actually um, the ministry that I feel God's called me to is primarily a ministry to the feet of Jesus, hmm. where the thing that God wants the most from my life, more than more than ministry to people, more yeah. than church attendance, more than knowing my Bible, more than anything, He wants my love. Yeah. He wants my affection. He wants my relationship with Him to be real. Hmm. And so ministry of the feet is the ministry to Jesus' feet, where it's like there's a woman in the, in the scriptures and the gospels that was so overcome uh, by her sin that she she comes to Jesus she falls at his feet she mm. weeps on his feet and she washes his feet with her tears and her hair mm. and pours out this bottle of ointment that was worth a year's wages and pours it all out on him and it's really the expression of what my desire in my heart is that I would be one who 
who lives a life poured out at the feet of Jesus, that Jesus, you gave it all for me. I want to give my all for you. And so what inspired me, apart from God telling me to, well, we started, he told me to do the the YouTube channel. And then I was like, well, Lord, well, what what are we doing? I've noticed, if I could be honest, uh, that in the church, broad stroke here, Mm -hmm. in a a large way, um, I feel like we're really lacking as a whole in in some really important understanding. You know, in Proverbs, it says, in all you're getting, get understanding. Mm-hmm. Hosea 4, 6 says, my people perish for the lack of knowledge. Mm-hmm. If we can get some of that knowledge, we can stop the destruction. Mm-hmm. In all you're getting, let's get the understanding. And so that's my heart behind the YouTube stuff is I want people equipped. And mm-hmm. what is this life that we're called to live really look like? How do we do it? How do we walk with God? How do we hear his voice? Right. Uh, what do these scriptures mean? And so my heart is to just see people... Uh, love Jesus by by encountering who he really is. So my mm-hmm. greatest desire is that when you are done watching me on YouTube, you completely forget who I am because you're so captivated by Jesus. Yeah. You're so in awe of Jesus that you just want to go be with him. So in uh, it's called Ministry of the Feet. And again, my desire is that you encounter him through it. Mm-hmm. I don't want to give you Justin Menzies. I want to give you Jesus. Right. And so that's my desire in the YouTube channel. I'm such a noob. I like got a uh, mic and a light and I'm just like, Jesus, what are we doing? And so I'm getting over the awkwardness of it, but there it is. It is what it is. So like them or hate them, I'm just doing it because I'm supposed to. Yeah, that's great. I think we'll leave it there. Justin, that's amazing. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me on. It's been, uh, been an honor. Hey, thank you so much for joining Just Godly Things today. This episode was amazing and wow, Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. He's the answer to every broken heart. He's the answer to everyone's longing for acceptance and adventure and fun and joy and wholeness and all of those good, amazing things. And so, whoa, I hope you were just inspired from today. Oh man, there's so much to take away from this. The word is crazy, amazing. God can redeem every single person's story. He wants you to surrender to him. What else? Water baptism, let's go. Being filled with the Holy Spirit, yes. Do you got that power? The power from on high. (laughs) Man, this is a great episode. So good. Hey, wow. (laughs) Amen. Yeah, let's just leave it there. Hope you have an amazing week in the Lord. And if you're not in the Lord, come on into the Lord. (laughs) And we'll see you next time. Take care.